When articles appear in international newspapers about the Isle of Man, unfortunately, they're rarely about the horse trams or the Laxey wheel. And recently, the Wall Street Journal took aim at Manx finance firms, apparently helping Russian oligarchs hide their wealth from sanctions. On Agenda This Week, it's me, Lewis Foster, in place of Phil Gorn, and I'll be speaking to the company in the centre of the American journalist's crosshairs, Bridgewaters, which it said was helping billionaire Alishir Usmanov invest $175 million in a Silicon Valley startup, essentially shifting his wealth from east to west. So, how does it feel to be under the spotlight, and is there a bridge over those troubled waters for Bridgewaters? I sat down with Mark Veal, the company's managing director. So we were, we were contacted by um, a journalist of the Wall Street Journal, uh, initially via LinkedIn and then some direct calls, um, to say that they had some information, they were going to run a story. Um, at that point, they'd given no indication that the story was specifically in relation to Bridgewaters or the Isle of Man. It was just a story they wanted to run. Um, they then, we, we asked them for uh, their questions to be put to us in writing, which they, they didn't do, and then they turned up on the island um, in May and they were here for a week and they they turned up at our door to, to ask us questions and we understand they visited a number of our former uh, employees and directors and also um, definitely the FSA and possibly the, um, the Isle of Man um, FIU. That must have been quite intimidating i suppose having them show up on your doorstep much pre-warning uh, no they they said they were coming to the island um we consistently said can you put whatever you you want to discuss in in writing to us and then we will consider whether we want to meet or how we respond to that so now they they turned up at the door and we're quite uh, we're quite insistent on speaking at the door um but we we kind of maintained our stance if it's not coming in writing we we can't comment and you saw that article published earlier this week, an extensive article. I've been going through it um, for for a number of hours this morning, um, looking at the finer points of it all. And you, you, I've noticed some of the other reactions as well, um, quotes you've given to other publications. You say it's intentionally misleading. Just explain why. Uh, we we gave responses as much as we could within the, the parameters we were allowed to do. So I think I've touched on in, in both of the responses, and they quoted it in the Wall Street Journal and others. Uh, we're, we're bound by various things like client confidentiality and um, data protection, so we can't get into the, the nitty-gritty of the clients uh, in there. There are some things we confirmed we're categorically not uh, involved in, and they've in- still included um, wording in the article um, to allege wrongdoing, nothing to do with us, but it's still in an article which is fundamentally written about Bridgewaters. Um, so we think that is there to kind of create... Um, uh, create an illusion of wrongdoing when actually there isn't any. And in addition, they they, they extensively say throughout um, throughout the article um, it's a secretive offshore uh, network. Um, but the article itself is contradictory, where they say their source of information is you know, is filings with the SEC in the states. And uh, that's that's publicly available. There's been no secrecy attached to this. Um, we've just done the, the you know, structured our clients where. It, um, uh, activities in a way which is which, which is lawful, uh, complies with the regulations of the jurisdictions which we're involved with, um, and we feel this is being put together in a way which is um, trying to make out that we have done something unlawful. And in, in addition, this is bringing up um, matters which have been covered uh, multiple times before in various other kind of leaks through Paradise Paper and um, Panama Papers. 
Um, so it's not really adding anything new to this. It's here we think to to create trouble at a time which is um, sensitive to the, the situation that's going on in, in Russia and the Ukraine, um, and is here to imply something that's actually not the truth. Because we are talking six, seven months after the invasion of Ukraine. Obviously, the I suppose the public perception of of Russia and Russians has changed dramatically over the last year. I mean, personally, how how do you deal with that, and how do you make sure that you know, like you say, you you will have had Russian clients in the past? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's it's a very good point. The the perception of dealing with Russians and Russians has really changed in the last twelve months through what's what's gone on in the world. Um, but there's always been an awareness um, of Russian clients and uh, business that's been transacted on the island with Russian individuals, and not all regulated businesses. Um, have to um, submit an annual statutory return to the regulator, which details where the jurisdictions that you're dealing with people are, and that's so. There's, there's no secret there. Um, also, when Russia moved on to the the category B list of the AML CFT list, which is published by the government, um, there was further uh, reporting, which we had disclosures, which we had to do, you know, to the government. And it's also worth pointing out that Russia moved on to this list in. April 22, the US were put on this list in in October 21. So, you know, the, the, the standards that are being applied are kind of slightly, or the, the views of the standards that are being applied is slightly skewed in terms of an American publication insinuating that we're somehow um, we're doing something wrong. Um, so full disclosure has been given um, all along the way. And in addition, as a, as a jurisdiction, we're fully signed up to FATCA and CRS and beneficial ownership. So now as a regulated business, we have to keep full detailed records of who our clients are and make that available. You know, if the regulator wants to come in, we have to make it available. And as a jurisdiction, you know, we, we fulfill obligations to, to CRS. So I think it's unfair on, on us as a business and also on the Isle of Man to be tarred with um, somehow we're doing something um, against the norm, which is is not the case. I want to come back to that um, that process you mentioned a, a second ago. But um, just looking back at a program we did earlier this year, um, we had finance expert uh, Graham Barrow over on the Isle of Man, and he spoke on our agenda program. Um, and he said it was fiendishly difficult to follow the money um, in these in these regards. These networks, so-called, are so elaborate and no one country has the answer. So why then does the spotlight, do you think, come to the Isle of Man? Now, obviously, we've had the Panama Papers in the past and the Paradise Papers, um, and in particular, Bridgewater's. I mean, I think there's a there's a couple of elements to that question. I think it's focusing on Bridgewater's and the Isle of Man, but it's not just an Isle of Man issue. It's not just Bridgewater's issue. Other jurisdictions such as Cayman and Jersey, they get similar things as well. Um, I think there's generally a, there's a lack of understanding of, of, of what we do and why we do it. And I think a lot of the time that is politically motivated by um, predominantly opposition parties because they think there's this great pot of untaxed money that's sitting there that they think they can get their hands on. But the reality is um, the, the wealth that passes through an offshore centre is generally reinvested in, a, in another country which creates wealth in the country that's being invested in. So I think there's a lot of, of, of intentional misunderstanding of, of what happens. Um, I think it's un, unfortunate that as Bridgewaters we have had data leaks in, in the past and our name has come up in the past and the basis of the the, the majority of what's claimed in the article is in the public domain from these previous um, previous leaks so it, it, it's not creating any it's not new to us um, it's unfortunate that this publication appears to be wanting to 
um, create some sensational storyline that's not real there at a time where it's you know, the political sensitivities re- really are, and I don't think it's it's helpful for for anyone. Do you feel scapegoated? Um, a little bit scapegoated. Um, I mean, we're, we we've never denied that we've had Russian clients. Um, I think our exposure to Russian clients is is lower than it has been for a few years, and. And our, our risk tolerance as a business through we've, what we've been through in the past 12 months um, through our, our, our kind of conversation with the FSA and the issues with the FSA, we are, you know, as a, as a business, de-risking. Um, I think it's, what, what if you deal with a, an individual who's put on a sanctions list, it's incredibly difficult to actually do anything with that individual, including exit that individual or move into a position where you can move away because the, the rules are, incredibly complicated um, so we have uh, multiple legal advisors engaged in multiple jurisdictions to guide us through these processes so when I've said in in the um, various comments and feel com- confident we're not breaching any sanctions we've got you know, lots of legal opinion we have an open dialogue uh, with customs and excise on the Isle of Man mm-hmm. if there's something that we're not sure about and if a license application is needed we would take a license application so um, I, and I feel that we're, we're comfortable and where we are at the moment um, but you know it's a very unfortunate situation I think the timing of this is intentional to create um, something that isn't really um, a, a story as such. You mentioned you're confident there I mean how that is the main question I suppose that comes from this is how sure are you that no sanctioned Russian money is passing through Bridgewaters? I, I think the because it is so complicated you can have an individual who individually is subject to sanctions and that means generally he's been deprived of his right to enjoyment or receive benefit from his assets. Um, but that doesn't mean that an, a, an entity which he is an investor in, that entity itself, um, has to cease its activities. I mean, what it means is if there was ever a liquidity event, the sanctioned individual couldn't benefit from those funds going back. And that's quite clear and that's something that we, we follow and say we have open dialogue with with all interested parties, it doesn't mean that that structure has to come to an end. And let's talk a bit about the um, the backlash, I suppose. Like I say, it was published earlier this week. Um, I tried ringing through to the office earlier and we get an answer phone. I mean, have you been subject to... Because it's not just the Isle of Man that, uh, you know, that will have its eyes on you right now. It's, it's no, the world. Uh, that's correct. The, the answer machine is, is on at the moment for, for any reason. Um, as soon as this article got published, our office and staff were subject to a number of abusive calls. Um, so that, that's on there to basically to protect uh, my staff from from these sorts of things. And I can I wouldn't agree with you know, people making abusive comments and, and calls to, into the office, but I can understand why you know, people do feel strongly of what is being insinuated through this article at a time which is um, so sensitive globally. Mm. Um, so. It's not totally unexpected, but it is unpleasant for people on the receiving end of that. Yeah, and you said, you mentioned about politics before, and there's a there's an outstanding question, I suppose, when we look at all these issues, which is, yeah, I mean, you said it alluded to to wrongdoing in the article. There's no direct claims, particularly, but there is that question between sort of is it morally right, even if it's legal, what some of these wealthy investors will have done in the past? It's an that explains a bit the backlash, I suppose, that we've got when those types of activities are I can, insinuated. I, I can understand how people can question the morality of dealing with 
with certain individuals um, and I can so I can totally do that as a, as a business we have disengaged a number of uh, of client relationships prior to um, prior to the sanctions and Russia situation coming in and also since then we have and like I say the sanction situation does make that very very difficult uh, as a business which has got you know, a totally new board in place in the past 12 months including non-execs We've looked at the the clients we've got and the way we act and who we act with, uh, and we're changing our business model and our approach to doing things. So, you know, I I think from I can understand people can can make that question. We are making steps to to move in a different direction. Now, that's not to say any of the actions that we, the business has undertaken has been has been wrong and is and it's been. Um, it's been unlawful or anything in that way, but then the moral question is uh, is a very interesting one, and it's something that we do listen to um, from from public and also from um, the, the staff that we've got in the business. And we um, we have he's, he's no longer working with us, um, but we did have a Russian gentleman who worked for us at the time this was happening, and we had to be very mindful of, of his feelings and and everything that was going on at the time. So we we are aware. Um, we are looking at moving the business forward in a different direction, and and that's been the plan since um, since November before this really arose. You say since November. I imagine there must have been a, a large body of work come about earlier this year, back in April, May, when we saw those sanctions coming in. How heavily impacted were you by those? Uh, we, you know, we we still have client uh, Russian resident clients. Um, the, the workload has been has been more challenging as as providers that we work with and the banks we work with have decided to exit the um, exit relationships, um, and then as well there is um, this filing and reporting obligations that we as a business then have to follow. So when people put on sanctions lists, we then have to engage in a process with the the FIU in terms of disclosure of those people, um, and it just involves continual additional monitoring as a business and. I think our business is now, given the issue we've been through in the past, is a very in a very very strong position now in terms of spotting and identifying and reporting, um, and making sure we do things things in the right way and probably at a higher standard now than most businesses, um, because of the say the issues that we've had in the past. So. I'm fairly comfortable about where we are today. And if I gave you a for instance, say if if now what next week sometime you were approached by someone who you thought maybe had malicious intent, uh, um, somebody um, uh, who who flagged as a, a Russian so-called oligarch, what process would you then have to go through? How much sort of skepticism I mean, I, would I, you have I to think... deploy? If it was a, if it was a, a Russian oligarch or a, a Russian in general at the moment. Um, there's just a a massive degree of uh, of risk attached to that. We we've got a full um, a new business committee which goes through all the risks and all parties, um, uh, and we would look at things. Now, one thing this we did turn down a very large piece of business, not from a Russian um, at the start of this this week, um, because some of the risk factors were uh, were very high, mm. and we couldn't get comfortable with that with that piece of work. So. Um, as a business, we've kind of we've evolved, um, and they said lots of names are mentioned in this uh, in this article. Um, the majority of these are very very historic uh, instances that they're referring to. You now we've taken on no new Russian business for for quite some time, and it's not in our risk profile to to do now. So we are looking at a different view. The business has a different view of the world now than it did two, three, four years ago, uh, and we'll continue to look at what direction we want to go in.
it does get quite complicated the article when you look at some of the names that are, that are passed around there this the main one uh, from the start is this Alisher Uzmanov who goes on to claim in the article that he has no ties to the Kremlin then the next page you see pictures of him shaking hands with Putin it's you can understand why there's this degree of skepticism that this is politically motivated in some degree yeah no I I, I agree I think it is in this is entirely politically motivated at the moment um but I can understand people's skepticism where there is a picture of someone shaking hands with someone and there is things that have been reported in the media and quotes from interviews 10 12 years ago which are being repeated now as if it's happened and it was said you know within the last 10 months and this article was written in a very similar vein of the 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 way it's constructed it's implying that these things are happening now and this is the way that we conduct our business now and I think the opening few lines are implying something which is underhand or unlawful when the reality is it's entirely lawful and it's done within the parameters that were allowed with full disclosures of the parties that we're engaged with. How does Bridgewater's move on from this? That must be quite the main question on your mind right now. No, no, like I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, of branding as well. I mean, is it is that being an we, issue for you at all? Um, we are looking at how we take the business forward, and that's been some one of my um, objectives since I joined the business in November. And it's not as a result of this this article uh, and what's happening in the world at the moment. It, it's driven by um, a need to to move forward in a new direction. Um, we. Um, there has been controversy around our business in the past through the the regulatory issues at the end of last year and then also the two data leaks and uh, that have come up in the past and our name has appeared in there with numbers of, of other people. So it isn't exclusive to us, but we do appear to be kind of keep coming to this. So we do have a desire to, to move on and we've got plans in place, um, or arranging plans at the moment to how we move forward in that respect. We're coming close to the end of our time now, so I need to ask, what more can Bridgewaters and the Alabama government do to make sure companies are, one, getting it right, and two, stopping stories like this happening again? I mean, that's a that's a really difficult question to answer because the every, everything that's written in this article stems from, in, from, in, in respect to Bridgewaters, from um, an allegation that Alicia was man of own Bridgewaters, which is factually incorrect and we've we, we've disproved this to a number of people um, over the over the years but it just keeps then getting regurgitated so un- unfortunately on the back of that we're always going to be in some element of spotlight for um, uh, stories of a Russian nature will come back to us or, or thing but um, I'm not sure because the, the Isle of Man um, do, does have Russian connections and my understanding is until the middle of this year, the power station was using Russian gas. Um, the world had a different view of Russia, um, and it was a more um, friendly um, state until the start of this year. So we're dealing with things now that have only really arisen in the past 12 months. I mean, people will say there could have been indicators in the past, but you're looking with you know, there's other jurisdictions that we operate in that are kind of possibly. Um, other flags with them but I, I don't know is the, how we move forward with it and you could say you don't touch anything Russian but that's not easy to actually um, to, to get to that point there's so many touch points for various things it's 
I don't know, it's an answer for the politicians. Yeah, I mean, we see these graphics, we hear about networks and and all the, the webs that go, go around this. It must just be an absolute minefield for one, but also impossible to un- unravel. For, yeah, for I don't degree. think it's on... When they're referring to networks and webs, I, I think it's just sensationalism there um, and a lack of understanding of what people are doing. So if you create a structure for a certain you know, transaction, there could be multiple different people and different uh, types of structures involved. And there's nothing underhand or um, uh, untowards around that. It's to, to fulfil a certain um, certain obligation or a certain contractual uh, duty. So... Certain transactions will need a, a company or a foundation or to, to kind of accommodate that. Um, so I don't. When they say about webs and, and complex networks, I think it's a lack of understanding. There isn't really a network or a complex web. There's structures that are put in place for, for certain di- transactions. They're fairly fairly easy to unravel um, at, a ta- at a certain time. So if a contract comes to an end, etc., then they can be unravelled. They've got timescales. Most of these things. Um, sanctions in place at the moment does that make that considerably more difficult because of the processes you have to go to if you could even get permissions to do that I was interested in Mark's claim regarding Russian gas at the power station there, so I reached out to Manx Utilities. The authority was grateful for the chance to respond and sent me a statement saying imported Russian gas has never made up more than around 5% of GB total gas supply historically. Insofar as it's possible to say, in reality the physical flows into Moffat where we offtake our gas from the GB system will almost wholly consist of natural gas from the St Fergus terminal in Scotland, as that is the direction of physical flow on the system. All gas delivered at St Fergus is either from the North Sea or Norwegian in origin, so we cannot support, it says, the claim made. Well, as we heard from Mark there, Bridgewaters has had run-ins with the Isle of Man Financial Services Authority in the past. This time last year, the company was fined £225,000 for what it deemed regulatory failings. In the lead-up to this programme, I reached out to the authority. It sent me the following statement, read by Manx Radio's Beth Espy. The Isle of Man is a well-regulated and responsible jurisdiction renowned for its long-standing record of compliance with global standards and initiatives. As a modern, risk-based regulator, the Isle of Man Financial Services Authority is focused on protecting consumers, reducing financial crime and maintaining confidence in the island's finance sector. If the authority identifies serious poor behaviour by firms it regulates for activities in the Isle of Man, it will consider the full range of its powers. The civil penalty and prohibitions of certain individuals in respect of Bridgewater Isle of Man Limited followed an investigation conducted by the authority that identified contraventions of the AML-CFT code. A multi-agency approach is continuing in response to the ongoing war in Ukraine to ensure the Isle of Man plays its part in international pressure on Russia and the Putin regime. Financial sanctions imposed by the UK government are automatically implemented and enforced in the Isle of Man by the Customs and Excise Division of Treasury. The Financial Services Authority continues to engage with businesses on the island to highlight their responsibilities in respect of sanctions, prohibitions and the risk of money laundering and terrorist financing. 
Well, tonight we've been hearing from Mark Veal, Managing Director at Bridgewaters. Phil Gorn will be back next week, and if you have any feedback or ideas for future programmes, you can send him an email at philgorn at manxradio.com. For now, though, I'm Lewis Foster, Guru Mayu, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.